Nothing here is real. We are living in a simulation. Don't believe me? Good. We'll start from there. Episode 30. We'll remember it for you wholesale. Decoding Culture. I've been talking about, there is an assumption that we are living in a simulation and that it's been going on for quite some time. We actually don't know if it's been going on for a long time, but we presume so. After all, time is just an expression of what you remember. You can't really see time. You can measure it, but really, even then, the measurements are nothing more than what you have experienced, or rather what you remember experiencing. It gets a little bit mind-twisty, but we'll assume that time has been going on for a while, at least. Or, at the very least, everything up to this moment was simulated, or projected, or maybe done on automatic. It's really hard to tell. If that's the case, then we can still look at what has been presented over time as part of our culture. And when I say our culture, I don't mean North American, Canadian, or whatever. I mean human beings. I'm not really going to be delving too much into what culture cats might have or what your favorite wild animal might have for its experience of culture, although we could talk about that. No, it's about human culture and the different experiences around the world, which have been the same. Now, some of it is because many of these experiences trace their way back to an actual common ancestor. We have a pretty good idea that life began somewhere in Africa, traveled out through Asia, across the land bridge into North America, and so forth. At least that's what our current simulations of our own past tell us. Ironically, it might be simulations of simulations, which is also kind of funny. But there are a lot of common elements of cultural symbols and experience. Everything from the experience of, of numbers and colors to things like crop circles, which have been happening all around the world with similar patterns. Now, modern-day communications especially but not exclusively, do make this a little bit more dubious. It is now possible for one person in one part of the world to experience something and share it with the entire world. And the experience or the reaction or something of that might go viral, as we say these days, and reach all parts of the world. So modern culture is, well, somewhat discounted in this argument in a way it's already reached that level of supersaturation. We can, we can be everything everywhere all the time or something like that. But when we look back in history, before we had this ubiquitous transformation of, of, uh, or reduction of space, if you will, and the transmission of information, 
it was not possible for someone in the deepest jungles of South America to really understand what was going on in India, for example, or Australia, or the land now known as Canada. All these places were relatively isolated from each other, and yet things pop up from time to time. Sacred geometry, for example. Now, some of that is because geometry follows the rules of the world, and so you can derive the rules of the world multiple times. But it seems weird that they've done it exactly the same way multiple times. Numbers hold particular significance, but it's interesting to note where numbers don't have the same meaning. And one wonders if that's because they come from different influencers, if you will. I'm talking about the simulators. Things like the all-seeing eye. Why do we believe there might be an eye in the forehead? And moreover, why might multiple cultures around the world express the same thing? Now, I want to point to one well, I won't say transformative, but certainly eye-opening book on all of this stuff and much more beyond. Really, it's a trilogy in about six parts at this point. The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy was a momentous work. It is a work of comedy. Don't get me wrong, it is hilarious. But it also is a delightful speculative view of everything. And in that series of books... Well, maybe I'll spoil it for you just a little bit. But in that series of books, it is revealed that the Earth is actually a giant computer, calculating the ultimate answer to life, the universe, uh, pardon me, the ultimate question to life, the universe, and everything, having already had another computer which calculated the answer of 42. In one of the scenes that takes place in, I think it's the third book, I could be wrong, where Arthur Dent is trapped in the past. And he has a, a bag full of uh, letters, essentially a Scrabble bag. And he realizes that, hey, if he's still part of the calculation program, the mice were the runners of that program, set in motion all those many years ago, even though he's trapped in the past, it gets a little complicated. Maybe by random draw of these letters from this bag, he can produce what they long sought. He pulls the letters from the bag and reveals the, the question, what is six times nine? If you're keeping track, that does not equal 42. And the conclusion essentially is that the universe has been a little bit off. But what's interesting about that to me in this context is maybe we could tune in to the original signal, to the outside influence, or maybe we already have, in multiple ways over multiple cultures. And if we can piece all these things together, we can get a picture of what life is like on the outside. But none of this is real. Or is it? One episode remains, which will be a wrap-up episode. But don't worry. I won't close the universe just yet. I'll let it run overnight, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow. Tomorrow.